On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we have a very special interview with Simon Quigley from Lubuntu. Welcome to episode number 347 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Ryan. I'm Jill. And I'm Michael. We've got lots of great content to get into, so let's get on the road towards Destination Linux. So our feedback this week comes from Michael, not our Michael, a different Michael. Apparently, there's more than one person there's named more Michael. more than one person <laughs> named Michael? That can't be right, except it for the fact that the year of my birth and also six other instances, the name Michael was the most popular for a boy. I learned that uh, one time a while back. Uh, Look at yeah. that. Little facts you learn on this show. <laughs> when you listen to the show, you're going to learn all kinds of amazing facts like that, that Michael was apparently a popular name without any dates. All right, so Michael goes on to say... (laughs) (laughs) Who needs dates, people? Who needs dates, yeah. Says, love the show. I have been a long-time Linux user, and recently I ran into a new problem. For work, I have to type a lot, so I got a point where I injured my hand from typing. I use Windows for work, and I've been able to use Super plus H to use speech-to-text, Engine to do email and fill out text fields. Mm. However, my Linux desktop has started to sit unused because I can't find a way to set up a similar feature in Linux. Any help with that? So I think there's probably a lot of people who could find this useful. I did some research out there. I think the big difference here right out of the box is that this feature is kind of built into Windows and we don't have that accessibility built into distros. And this is something we've actually talked about quite a bit, uh, not only with developers, but on the show as a general topic. And they know this is kind of a weak area. And it really, and from an accessibility standpoint, uh, whether it's mobility site or other things, like this can keep a lot of people from being able to utilize Linux and open source. This is a big deal. And a lot of communities definitely need to kind of get involved here in, in having these apps as default. Since we don't have those apps in a lot of cases as default, you know, there's Pico Voice, which is an option that is more universal in that it can access the entire OS and kind of do some speech to command to text options out there. But it is a subscription-based service. There's a free version of it, uh, but there's a subscription-based version of as well. And it looked like it could do a lot of the things that Windows can do with that built-in feature. I've not been able to test it. It's just one of the things that I found in looking. I did, however, see SpeechNote, which is an open source speech to text app that will translate your speech to text, but you would need to cut and paste it, obviously, into your email client and things. It's not doing it from the email client itself. But then I started thinking about you, Michael, because you're kind of the shortcut king. Like you have a whole keyboard that sits on the side of your other main keyboard that's just for macros and shortcuts and keys that you're showing right now to our audience. So you know, shortcuts could definitely help in this case for the accessibility of, you know, getting around with one hand on in the operating system yes. and setting up certain shortcuts. Shortcuts are very useful. Yeah. And depending on what you're needing to do, it's very, very useful. Now, you can set up shortcuts to do like canned messages that would be good to easily uh, expand text into like a consistent use case. Or if you have there's also a text expander thing where you can type a few letters and then hit a tab or something like that and expand the text out to be much more. But these are more for things that are 
predetermined text that you know you're going to send. So it's not going to be like a regular typing solution. But shortcuts are also something that you would maybe want to consider because they will help you get around faster and also start perform certain tasks faster if you only can use one hand, for example. So I have a solution for this problem that it will work. It's a little convoluted, but I think it will basically work exactly what you want. And it's really cool that it'll do it, but it requires your phone. So uh, your phone will have a dragging dictation, or maybe you have an Android device that has the Google, uh, the Google Assistant system, or the Apple situation where you can do dictation through your uh, Apple phone and that sort of stuff. But what's cool about that is this will work with both Apple phones and Android phones because there is a feature you can install called KDE Connect. And KD Connect is amazing in a lot of ways. It has clipboard synchronization. It has file transfer stuff. But one of the coolest things that's not mostly known about is that it has the ability to use your phone as an input device for your computer. So you can use the touchscreen as like a mouse pad, and you can use the keyboard as a keyboard entry for your computer. Now, this is important because if your keyboard has support for a voice dictation, like the Apple keyboard does, or like Dragon Dictation, or any of the apps that allow you to do voice to text, you can use that and then have it send through KD Connect into your Linux system and will effectively provide you the ability to do voice to, voice to text in whatever qu quality you want because you're just using an app that's already available to you on your phone. That's an interesting solution. I wouldn't have thought of that, but I could see that working. But what it does make me think is, why is this so difficult in Linux and open source? I think this question. is a perfect project that should be solved from certainly one of the bigger distros out there, the corporations and things like that. You have um, you know, a lot of different employees with different accessibility uh, constraints and things out there that we should have this in Linux and open source software right from the default and not something where we have this convoluted solution. But that's why yeah. I love the community's questions and things, because this is something I hadn't thought about as being an issue. We talked with Jill many times about some of the solutions we can do for people who have issues with their site and things like that. But we haven't had this particular question come up before. Yeah. So if you're in the community and you have a solution, something that works really well, better than even our suggestions, make sure to send that in to us and we'll get it on the show. Go to tuxdigital.com slash contact, or you can jump in our discord and give the suggestion and feedback there directly to uh, people who are asking or on our forum, for instance, is a great place to list answers to some of these questions. If you have a different solution than what we offered here, and we still have our question of the week, which is going to be, we still need more people to submit what's your favorite distro of 2023 and why, because we want to get a nice big populace here yeah. for this question. <laughs> so if you have nothing else that you want to send to us, let us know your answer to that. What is your favorite distro of 2023? And if and you why? appreciate our show and want to send a comment, but you're not really sure what you want to do and you just want to post a comment on YouTube to help with the algorithm, you can put your favorite emoji. You know, some people collect Pokemon cards. Uh, others mm -hmm. collect baseball cards. Sure. I even, I've never told people this before, have a little bit of a collection of UFC trading cards. Mm, nice. You know, I didn't even know those existed. Yeah, they're out there. And collections are vast as people's interests. You can collect things for nearly every hobby out there. However, Michael on this show has the strangest hobby of 
Oh, I have many hobbies and many collections. No. What are you talking about? This one's very weird. You collect domain names. You collect domain names like nobody I've ever seen in my life. That's like, just ridiculous. That's it's true. That's ridiculous. I only have about 70. What's 100, 70, 100, like my kids would say. They're <laughs> like, I want 70, 100 of this because that's what it's not just 70. Like Pokemon, Michael has to collect them all. Literally, and, and I mean this, any discussion we have with Michael about a new business thing always ends with, we should buy a domain for that. That's Michael's like input of let's buy a domain for that. He wants the .com, the .net, the .biz, the .community. He wants them all. He wants to collect them all because like they're going out of style. Okay, that's a bit excessive. I, I do have a lot of domains and those conversations have happened, but .biz... Really? <laughs> That's the one that got you? That's the oh. one you're like, I don't collect those. I have three. <laughs> those are for plebs. I still have three. <laughs> Pleb collectors are the dot biz. So as you can imagine, this gets quite expensive uh, for us. But thankfully, I was able to find a solution for that. And that's where Namecheap comes in. Namecheap is a place where, as you guessed by their name, you can buy domains for cheap. Therefore, that Namecheap. makes sense. Yeah, and you can also host sites and they have other services there as well. So if you want to be like Michael and collect domain names or you're actually starting a business and just need one, I suggest going to Namecheap. This is where we get ours and we have a link in the show notes where you can start your collection and support our show all at the same time. You can do both at the same time. In fact, they could probably go to a really clever URL that you probably bought, Michael. So I got a domain for this, yes. Ryan. <laughs> you do. What's that domain, Michael? DestinationLinux.net slash Namecheap. See, the .net was a thing, but I wish it was .biz now because then I've been like, oh, you did buy a .biz. <laughs> well, so dot .net. I could add to my Linux. collection, Ryan. What about yeah. .tv? Yeah. Well, don't, don't encourage him, Jill. <laughs> so click that link and see if you can out-collect Michael. We would like to welcome back Simon quickly to the show. Simon is the release manager of Lubuntu. He's also a Kubuntu ninja and Ubuntu core developer and a Debian developer. But most importantly, he's a longtime friend of the show and the original Linux prodigy. Simon, welcome back to the show. So Simon, before we get into anything else, let's talk about the Ubuntu Summit. Now, unfortunately, you had to run into Michael there. Fortunately. And, uh, unfortunate. Fortunately. Did you say fortunate? Fortunate. Fortunately. Fortunately, you had to you got to run into Michael there, but you didn't get to see me and Jill. So I mean it couldn't have been the greatest event ever because we weren't there, but I heard it was still grandiose and an amazing event you're able to attend. And curious, what were some of the highlights of it? It wasn't than just Grande, it was Venti, right? Venti Grande <laughs> event. Uh, what were some of the highlights for you from this event? Some of the highlights really include um, the community members, the people I was able to really meet, interact with, um, people like Rudra from the Ubuntu Unity Project. Um, I got to meet Mark Shuttleworth um, and a couple of the folks from actually from Intel and DreamWorks and Microsoft were there as oh, well. Yeah. So um, them among a couple of un uh, a couple of other huge vendors. Um, they really were great people to talk to um, and, and talk with. When I go to the Ubuntu Summit, one of the things I really look for personally is the hallway track. Um, it's really important to sit down and talk with a lot of these people. You know, you look at their badge and you'll say, this is someone that I've seen their username online for years, but I really haven't had the opportunity to really meet them face to face. And I think Canonical does a really great job of, of creating an event for those people to come together. Um, in terms of my own personal highlights, um, I mean, I've never been to, to Latvia before. That was definitely an experience. Yeah. Um, the travel was, travel was a little bit interesting, but that's, that's part of it. It always there. is. Mm -hmm. um, 
the there were a couple of great talks. Um, there were a few talks from DreamWorks on their uh, their movie software. Um, there were a couple talks by Intel about you know some stuff they're doing within the community, and I really think it was a, just a, an incredible opportunity all the way around. Also, the yeah. great marketing talk that was given by one of those individuals uh, at the conference. Mm-hmm. Who was that, Michael? They gave that. Uh, it was talk? me. Michael. It was you. It was you me. gave a talk there. Man, I did. They gave you a mic. That's crazy. They <laughs> messed up and gave me a mic. That's so Simon, before the interview, we were talking, and you mentioned running across Michael towards the end of a day, and he looked like he was about to uh, fall over because of all of the equipment, interviews, running around the whole hall, all of these things. So. Uh, is Michael a fail fish here? Was he not able to keep up? Oh, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. That's a little unfair to Michael, but I would say um, he, there were a couple of interviews and I did watch your vlogs. There were a couple of interviews that you wanted to get to that just didn't end up happening. Yeah. Overall. Um, no, I, I think Michael really did a, really did a lot during the summit. I was thankful to have him there. So. Yeah. Oh man. Thank you, a rock star compliment, at a Buntu summit. Let's face it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, thank you, you did. You did good there. <laughs> All right, and and then you mentioned the the talk tracks, and then of course meeting people in between those those talks and things. Mm-hmm. That it's a great community from a networking standpoint for somebody who is able to attend this event next year and things. How important is attending these events? Obviously, you get to work in open source every single day. There's a lot of people who want that as a part of their lives. Would you say that attending these events is really important for somebody wanting to kind of break into open source as part of their job or livelihood in the future? I would definitely say so. So um, I really draw a distinction between your usual, okay, Southeast Linux Fest, Linux Fest Northwest versus the Ubuntu Summit in, in, in that Ubuntu Summit has a lot of people specific to Ubuntu. Um, if you're looking to get involved in the Ubuntu community, yes, definitely. I would encourage the Ubuntu Summit. And there's, in fact, there's a lot of wider wider distribution folks that do end up attending the Ubuntu Summit. But um, I would say the Ubuntu Summit's a great opportunity to really, like I said before, sit down with people and have candid conversations that you really can't have online. Um, where you can say, oh, I'm, I, I'll, I'll buy you a beer. I want to hear your actual thoughts on this on this topic. And it's right. in, in terms of networking, it's an incredible opportunity. And I would say it's 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 almost critical to to maintaining things as well as they've been going the last couple of years. So Simon, let's talk about Lubuntu. For those who are new to Linux and just starting to learn about different distros, what is Lubuntu, and who is the target audience for this awesome distro? <laughs> So, Lubuntu at its core is a free and open source Linux distribution based on Ubuntu. We are an officially recognized flavor um, within the Ubuntu ecosystem. And in fact, we have the largest um, current maintainer community out of any Ubuntu flavor. Um, In terms of the use case for um, Lubuntu, it uses LXQ, um, which is, in fact, I would say the lightest desktop environment um, out of XFCE, Mate, all of those sorts of things. Um, And it's 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 really cool to me because um, I love the KDE Plasma community. I love KDE Plasma, but I find myself if I install Plasma, um, tweaking a bunch of different options, and I spend a good couple of full time days really get my getting my Plasma yeah. installed the way that yeah. I like it. Um, the thing with Lubuntu, the thing we really try to do is have something that someone can just install and just install their application and just and just start to get work done. That doesn't require a bunch of little customization to really get it the way that you want it to, because 
I mean, in a lot of op- in a lot of places, those options simply aren't there. So, Lubuntu is great for people who want a lightweight, modular um, base to you know use on their on their work laptops, on their computers. Um, but it's also great for older hardware as well. Yes. Um, we've we've sort of shifted away from that just a little bit, simply because it's difficult to maintain 20, 30 year old hardware and actually you know publicly say, hey, we support this. This will definitely work, but. In reality, a lot of people still do use Lubuntu on um, on older machines, and that still is one of our largest use cases. And like I said earlier, it's Lubuntu. If you compare system resources side by side between Lubuntu, Zubuntu, Ubuntu Mate, which are usually the three that I see for for older computers, Lubuntu comes out on top every single time. So, oh, I um, so agree, Simon. I've actually got Lubuntu on a lot of my old machines. I have almost 700 machines now in my vintage computer and old computer collection. <laughs> and He's so not exactly, this is hilarious. Cause I remember her first time telling us <laughs> yeah. the first time Jill told us about her computer collection. It was about 600. Yeah. In that period of it's time, she's already up. added another hundred. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <This is> true. <laughs> and yeah, one of my, uh, the, the last uh, one of the first installs I did of 22.04 Jammy Jellyfish was Lubuntu on some of my older machines, and it runs absolutely beautifully. I love I I love how you how um, LXQ you know the interface is improved. I love how you guys integrated the colors with the the wallpapers and all the theming. It's just really top notch. It's it's beautiful. I, I don't take credit for any of the artwork, by the way. Um, I there's a there's a member who was there um, who was in the pre in the project previously. His name is Raphael. Um, Raphael Laguna actually did all of the artwork, and it's a running joke within the project actually because I always threaten them every time I say, "Don't make me do the artwork this cycle. Don't don't, don't make me do it. It's going to look really badly." The same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds exactly like Ryan's thumbnails. Yeah. Um, but no, so the, the artwork, um, I mean, we do use the arc theme. So some of it is, is not our own homegrown stuff, obviously, but on the theming aspect too, we just added two more themes, um, in our default install. Um, I actually have them here. One of them is a windows 11 theme. The other one's based on Yaru. So we're really also expanding that. Cool. That's interesting. So the windows 11, so people coming from windows will have more of a familiar kind of interface when they're first starting out, I assume is the purpose behind that. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's opt in. So if somebody's like, I don't like Windows at all, totally cool. Um, that's the power of open source. That's the power of of using different themes. Um, yep, awesome. And it's good to have that as an option for people who do want it because yeah. there are going to be people who want to pick, well pick a particular distro specifically because it's an easy you know getting started with situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but earlier you mentioned that Lubuntu has the largest contributor base out of all the Ubuntu flavors. So how do you manage a large contributor base like that in, in terms of just being as a project and overall, but also the logistics of it? So it, at first, it was a little bit of a challenge. When I first started in the project, it was maybe one and two other people. Um, over time, we really started to develop a little bit of a system like, okay, you're the release manager, you're the QA manager. And those titles really weren't strictly enforced. It was, oh, you're the, you're the release manager today, but you just... It was just a tightly, tightly knit collection of, of developers. Over time, as we made the switch to LXQ, that's really when our, our community sort of blossomed and transformed into what it is today. Um, 
So originally we founded the Lubuntu Constitution. I want to say around uh, 2018, we found we wrote the Constitution, um, just a very, very minimal. This is how the project structure works. So we have something to refer to. Um, and then the Lubuntu Council, actually, which Wendy, um, an editor for Destination Linux, actually was one of the initial members of. Um, nice. Yeah, um, the, it's the governing body. And then we have a system where we have Lubuntu developers that have specific upload access to Lubuntu. Um, and we have Lubuntu members, which are inherently Ubuntu members, but they're also active members within the project. So we, unlike other membership systems, we have to renew once a year and only our active contributors are members. That's, so that's kind of different between Ubuntu membership, but we do consider them emeritus members um, if they previously held membership. So I guess in terms of how you manage that, really, it's, it comes down to a couple of things. Having a good structure, something to refer to, something that really everyone's on the same page about. I'm not going to say the Lubuntu Constitution's perfect because, I mean, I wrote that, what, when I was 16 or 17. So I'm sure there's a couple of bits in there that I, I really need to refine um, as a Lubuntu council. But it having a structure at which... You know, it's all defined. You know, there's been times where even I've wanted to feature something before and I bring it up to general discussion and the Lubuntu Council decides, no, we don't want to go that direction. Um, an example is about a couple months ago, I decided that I wanted to switch Lubuntu completely to Matrix. Um, that was a situation in which I was voted down, but it helps keep the wider community interests there if you have a, a body of people rather than a benevolent dictator. So it's having that structure there. Um, and it's also encouraging people to do things they're passionate about. Um, so, so specifically, we have a couple of members on the team that do QA. They are amazing at QA. In fact, later today, I'm going to advocate one of them for main Ubuntu membership. And they love doing the work in QA. So we empower them to do that work in QA. They have all the, the permissions to push buttons. Now, our developers, again, we have Ubuntu developer stuff. Um, membership specifically there, if someone's really interested in development, we have a way to empower them to take that a step further. So when you join the community, one of the first things we ask is, what are you interested in? What kind of skills do you have? What kind of passions do you have? And we try to integrate you within either an existing team of passionate volunteers, or we sort of guide you in starting your own little sub project. So, um, in terms of active Lubuntu members that have been active in the past year and renewed, we're up to um, 10. So, Very cool. Yeah. It's, it's the other thing too that I'll even mention is that um, I, I, I write a message to Lubuntu members once a cycle, basically saying, I understand that some of the work you do might be a little bit thankless. I mean, QA work, you're sitting there reinstalling Lubuntu on the computer, however many times you're, you're testing every little button and every little widget. So something that's important to me every six months when we release something, I tell everyone, take that next weekend off. I insist, take the weekend off. I'll handle whatever comes in and go and celebrate. I mean, I'm incredibly thankful for the, the work that you guys do, and you should take the opportunity to go in and, and celebrate that with your with your friends, with your community. So, And there's plenty awesome. of room for more people who want to get involved in the community and things oh, like absolutely. that for those listening absolutely. right here. And so, I mean, I love that you have that organization and structure. Yeah. I think a lot of people are probably afraid initially to get involved with the project because they're going, what am I going to work on? Are they going to find something for me to do? And I've heard universally from everybody who does the kind of work that you do, like, just get in there, tell us what your talents are. We'll find you something uh, that you can help in. 
and get involved in. I, I did want to go back though. You mentioned, you know, the benevolent dictator thing. When Wendy from Linux Out Loud and also our editor uh, joined Lubuntu, did you find that she fit the perfect role as the benevolent dictator? Oh, or did she Wendy. try to become that? <laughs> no, oh. actually, no, no. Huh? Weird. Um, if anything, if, if anything, I've I've been the the benevolent dictator, but um, oh, but no, okay. Wendy was a great addition to the team when we when we had her, and I would cur- and encourage her definitely to come back. I mean, we need some some art skills definitely. And for anyone listening, if you are a graphic artist, if you really right. like the way that Lubuntu looks, um, if you really if you have the spare time and skills and passion to contribute, we would love to have you in the project because we really need somebody these days that's dedicated to doing that, um, delivering that experience. Awesome. So cool. that's awesome. Also, let's talk about the latest release of 23.10 with Lubuntu. What are some standout features that were in this latest release? So in general, I would say with 23.10, um, it was a little bit more of a, I guess, a polished release. So we're, um, we had a new version of LXQ, of course, and, and with LXQ releases these days, there's not really a lot of ooh, major shiny features. It's more of like a bug fix polish thing. Now that is, that's going to change. And I'll talk about that coming up um, with 2410, where LXQ is working on some major stuff. But generally speaking, with LXQ updates, it's more of a polish bug fix thing, um, specifically in terms of features that we've architected. Um, we have uh, the, the upgrade notifier actually is a little bit more descriptive there. Um, there's support for new release upgrades, that sort of thing, really just to get feature parity with what you would expect to be in a Linux distribution. Again, our goal is not really to just, oh, layer five layers on top of it and just and, and have all these configuration settings. It's really just to provide something simple that has basic feature parity. So 23.10 was really the release where we included a lot of those elements and we're continuing to do that. In fact, I'd say at a greater scale for, uh, for 2404. So, so Simon, the rumor is that you've been working on something really interesting related to backport PPAs, but because we got a new, a lot of new listeners and people just coming into Linux, let's start with, before we get into what that cool thing is, what are backport PPAs for people who are just getting into Linux and kind of learning about, uh, the various terminology? So originally, when users go to install Lubuntu, um, they're presented with two different download options. They're presented with 22.04 and 23.10. So one's a long-term support release. We assume that most people choose this one. And then there's 23.10, which provides just our latest stable snapshot of all the things we're working on for the next LTS. Um, In terms of the backport PPA, we decided to create sort of a third channel, if you will. Um, so you would install 2204 LTS. Um, you have that same stable Lubuntu base or the Ubuntu base rather. And Ubuntu updates are just, or Lubuntu updates are just layered on top of that. So just to read from the announcement, because I think I, it, it clearly describes, um, what exactly backports do. Our backports PPA is modeled after Kubuntu's. It exists to provide the latest LXQ um, desktop stack on top of a stable Ubuntu base. The concept could also be considered similar to KDE Neon. So it's sort of a rolling top on top of the existing Ubuntu stable layer. Um, As time goes on, our development focus will continue to be on new releases, and we plan on landing and testing changes there prior to pushing them to backports. We used to have a one-week rule sort kind of sort of, but it's sort of gone by the wayside a little bit um, because we're testing so much. Um, that being said, this is a perfect middle ground between stability and new features that users of all experience levels will be able to enjoy. So it's that third channel that I was sort of talking about. 
So Simon, you explain kind of what backport PPAs are, and one of the things that you're doing uniquely, you're saying in Lubuntu, is making those available, the 23.10 to the LTS, or is that something that's a feature across all of the various distros kind of do this with backport PPAs? So Kubuntu really pioneered the idea of a backports repository, um, sort of in conjunction with KDE Neon. Um, Of course, you could install the backports PPA on any Ubuntu uh, distribution, but this is something that I I guess is sort of unique in that we provide a wholesale backport of the entire new desktop environment. And that's not something I'd say that I see frequently around other other flavors in their spaces, especially with how we're going to incorporate that in the in the user experience. Very interesting. Yeah. So if I'm a new user out there and I hear about the backport PPA, what are some of the use cases in which I may want to go out there and, and utilize that functionality in it? So if you install um, 2204 just as it is, the thing you'll notice is that it's stable. It works. It's great. Theming's great. But there are a little, there are a couple rough enge- edges just around the corners that aren't big enough that would justify a, a huge stable release update going through the regular Ubuntu process where you have to have justification, regression potential, um, justification, regression potential, all that sort of thing. Um, really, where it comes in is we just want an opt-in option for somebody to be able to enable this. And okay, you get all these little tiny fixes that we've been working on that aren't justified with the normal process, but they work and we've tested them and we have high confidence that they're they're going to be good for the average system. So, so does this work for things like Audacity? Let's say there's a newer version of Audacity that comes in that you all have in testing, or is this only Lubuntu kind of backend uh infrastructure that will be loaded in the backport PPAs? So we're sort of loose with it. Um, If there's a specific user requirement like, hey, can we get this newer version of VLC or something? Sure. Um, My personal pet project for the backports is I always put Vim in there. So the latest version of Vim is always in that backports repository. You just made a lot of people happy saying that. A lot of the Vim (laughs) users just cheered right now. (laughs) let, 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 Let me even add on to this point. We are the only Ubuntu flavor to ship Vim and HTOP by uh-huh. default. Yes. So yeah. um, perfect for distro reviewers. We'd love to see your your videos, screenshots, and all of that because we'd like to make it easier. And we, we do listen to user feedback on those sorts of things. Very cool. So what was the motivation behind shipping Vim by default? Personal preference. I got sick and tired of having to reinstall it on my own distribution every time. Nice. And thank you Makes for throwing the advantages of, in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there. And, that and is you're cool. doing really well with the interview, Simon, because there's two people you don't want to mess with in this whole Linux and open source world, Vim users and Wendy. And you are definitely speaking uh, positively <laughs> to both of those groups. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. And it's also really cool because you were talking about, we, we kind of glazed over this in a little bit, but when you talked about the Backports PPA, there's two different versions of that PPA. So, so when I covered this on Twill, uh, we talked about the possibility of 23.10 having a backports PPA added to it. But you didn't stop there. You actually added the PPA for 22.04, which is the LTS. So people who want to have the latest and greatest, it's not even just they have to be on the every six months thing. They can just be on the LTS and still get that. So what what's the difference between the work involved and having the... LTS included versus the latest version of Lubuntu? Very respectfully, you have it backwards. Um, it's uh, 
the the 2204 backports are actually what we really target, what we really focus on when we're shipping those backports updates. We do a lot more testing in terms of let's install it, reinstall it, press every little button, um, and we almost follow our complete testing checklist we do for every release. So 2204, um, the backports for that, it's it's essentially a copy of what's in the current um, 2404 archive, just with a lower version number. So if you do do that upgrade, it'll uh, install the correct packages for you uh, nice. that are built against the correct things. So it's what you're getting in backports is what you would be getting if you installed 2404, except it's only the stable stuff. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. So are there anything else that could be applied to this? So the PPAs, there there are kernel PPAs, there's other things. How much hardware enablement can you do with these backport PPAs? You can do um, quite a bit. We've sort of hesitated on doing those wider reaching um, Mesa updates or um, you know driver updates like that, specifically for, for two reasons. A, we want to keep the focus of the PPA sort of narrow. Um, and B, really we don't, I wouldn't say we have enough not enough expertise, but just not enough QA time to really go through and test all those really specific hardware elements. And there's teams dedicated to doing that out there for the existing LTS releases. And I don't see any reason why those PPAs wouldn't be compatible with each other. Nice. That'd be very cool to see. Uh, Hopefully that does happen in the future. But earlier, Ryan talked about a rumor and we need to get back to that rumor because I want to know more about this information. So the Backports PPA, we've heard that there is a possibility that mm-hmm. in the future, they're going to be able to enable that by default during install. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> Not only that, there are quite a few other installer bits landing for 2404. Um, so originally, back when we back when Lubuntu switched to LXQt back in, what was that, 1810, um, we needed to do something about the installer. So the existing installer that Lubuntu was using was the GTK front end for uh, Ubiquity, Ubuntu's old um, default installer. And it worked just fine. It just fit in with none of our theming and just looked like an oddball. Um, so we we investigated using the front end that, um, that KDE uses instead. Well, Turns out that front end was a pretty messily written piece of Pi um, Q4 code that was just sort of hacked together a couple of years prior to that. And um, it had a bunch of KDE specific strings and icons and everything hard coded right into the code. So mm. rather than go through the entire mess of detangling ubiquity and oh, we need to do this, that, and not actually have it maintained by Canonical. Canonical does not, they'll ship cute front ends for things, for example, the software properties menu. But the little secret is Canonical only supports the GTK um, front end for that. It's up to the cute flavors to support those cute front ends for that. It is what it is. But mm-hmm. we ins- we decided to go a completely different direction Besides just using Ubiquity, we decided to go with Calamares. Now, Calamares is used by default in, from my recollection, um, at the very least, Manjaro and Debian actually uses it as its default graphical installer. So we found that it was a solid choice, not only because of its um, now former support by KDE officially, but because of the the fact that we're working on a project that's not only used by Lubuntu, but it's used by a bunch of other people. Um, so it, in our initial testing with that, our goal was just to get the basics up and running, but we found, hey, this is this is faster than Ubiquity is. This is faster than the default Ubuntu install. That's really powerful. Um, 
So we continue to sort of polish ends. And there's always been a couple of wish list items like, oh, add the minimal install and add this or add that. This cycle we're delivering 100% full stop. Um, we not only have the minimal install in the 2404 ISOs now working, which is an improvement over 2310, we have some features that aren't even quite polished yet in the default Ubuntu installer. So ZFS support's been in there for a long time. I know they just reintroduced it again, but it's sort of experimental. Calamari's has tried and true ZFS support. Um, that among the some of the UI elements we've been working on. So um, there's going to be a menu, sort of like the Ubuntu server installer, kind of, sort of, where it's going to allow you to select specific applications you'd like to install by default. So it just grabs it down right as part of the install. And we're actually working on um, streamlining that and streamlining that configuration process. So you can just throw it, uh, throw it a file, boot up the ISO, and it'll just download and install all your default apps. We're really looking to streamline that. And I'll go a little bit more into the specific automation bits with Noah later this week. But generally speaking, the the installers seeing a huge refresh and a huge improvement. And um, the, the four applications we have in there right now, um, off the top of my head, are Element um, as a snap, so Matrix Clients, Vert Manager, um, so support for virtual machines that's installed right from the archive, um, and there's two others that are not off the top of my head, but are useful applications um, that will be shipped as part of that process, as part of the engineering for actually doing that in the ISO. So a technical bit that people might not fully understand if you're newer to Linux, and that's totally okay, is um, when you're installing a snap on a system, it doesn't actually have compatibility with the CH root. So you have to do some manual steps of just downloading the snap package and whatever else that you wouldn't have to do with the normal snap install. So we actually split all of that logic out from the ISO tooling that Ubuntu has, and it's now in its standalone in its own standalone script for the first time. So that's going to enable a lot of distributors who want to precede and install snaps by default to be able to use that um, that script and that technology to to enable that. Oh, Simon. So, so many cool things are coming to Lubuntu. What are other exciting things that are coming that we can look forward to? So a couple of things that were just done this past week, um, Bluetooth configuration in terms of um, UI, full nice. feature parity with other flavors. So um, it is a GTK um, app that we have to install. So I'm kind of uh, about that. But um our long-term goal would just be to port that to Qt and we're all good to go. So it's Blue Man, and I'm actually using it right now for these earbuds on my 2404 install. Um, and it's it's working wonderfully. Um, so we have that. We're writing a brand new Qt-based, very, very lightweight connection editor for Network Manager. Um, nice. That's still in the works. It's the prototype's mostly done, but um, our one of our contributors, Aaron Rainbolt, is working on that, and he's mm -hmm. doing an amazing job. I've seen screenshots so far, and he's really hitting the nail on the head. Um, the nice. you're going to have some more um, customized settings in terms of oh, do you want to update daily? Do you want to update never um, once a day or once a week? That sort of thing. A lot of fine-tuned settings are also coming in this release. Um, along with an intuitive way to just enable backports, like I said, either within nice. the installer or within yeah. the, the regular install. So a lot of great stuff stuff coming in this upcoming release. Very I feel like that update never was designed for me. How do you what? mean? 
Because I don't update hardly ever. Yeah, hardly oh, yeah, yeah. Just the update <laughs> yeah. That, that brings a good question. Just for Michael, Simon, can we write something that just behind the scenes forces Michael to update his machine? Yeah, like, it, it, it detects me script. and then it just updates. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. called snaps. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah That's true. For you. All right. So, Simon, a lot of exciting things coming to Lubuntu. Um, actually, some of the most exciting things, I think, that have been happening with Lubuntu in a really long time. I mean, there's always good stuff going on, but you've got a lot that's coming mm-hmm. down the pipe here uh, in a very short period of time, which is awesome. Um, so thank you for coming on the show to kind of go over and give us some hints about that. Thank you for putting up with Michael at the Ubuntu Summit. But we must put you through the lightning round of questions. Now, these are perhaps the most important questions of the show. The most Um, important questions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the goal here is we're going to ask the question as fast as we can, and you have to give us the answer right off the top of your head. Uh, There are lots of wrong answers, so just put that out there. You know, there's no wrong answer. No, there's lots of wrong answers. There's no right or wrong answer, Simon. Uh, So the very first question, hard-hitting. Again, apologize. I know you didn't get these ahead of time or anything, but favorite candy bar? Snickers or Twix? Mm, No, Kit Kats. Snickers or or, or Kit Kats. I was thinking thinking Kit Kats, but said Twix. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Left or right Twix, by the way? Don't have a preference. <laughs> they're both, they're both the mean, same. Man, clearly <laughs> the left the Twix is... He doesn't better. get it, Ryan. He doesn't get he doesn't it. Get it. Yeah. No, I, I get mean, it. I just don't have a preference. No, you, when you try them, you will. What we're saying You'll is notice left it. Twix is clearly superior to the right left Twix. Left Twix is I've, the rest Twix. I've tried them. I barely notice a, do- a difference. It's, it doesn't... It, <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, the best DE in your opinion, and by the way, you can't say LXQt or Gnome or any other thing that's obscure, and it has to start with a K. KDE. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Michael, what kind Michael. of question is that, Michael? You remove every option but KDE. I know I mean, to be I fair, it was fair. To, to be fair, if I had to rate my 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 favorite desktop environments, number one would be obviously LXQt. Number two would probably be KDE. Number three is a tie between either probably Mate or Budgie. Oh, nice. Yeah, those are good choices. Nice. Yep. nice. <laughs> Simon, what is your favorite? A muffin or a cupcake? You guys have asked me this in person. It's, <laughs> yes, it's, it's a, it, it would be it would be a it would be a it's muffin. on the record now. Yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael's happy. So, Wendy, just cut that out and make Muffin. him say cupcake. Wendy, right yeah, there. Ryan editing. The yeah, just, just uh, put when Ryan said cupcake, put that into Simon's answer. Yeah. Here, no. here, I'll even say cupcake for you. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh. Put that no, no, no. So Muffin is the answer. We know this, <laughs> that Muffin is the best. So it's okay. been declared um, by Simon that Aww. Ryan is incorrect. So, so Simon, you're going to scale next year as well, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll see you there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, you know, uh, we're all friends here and everything. The DL host you were most excited to meet last year at scale was who? Person I was excited to meet at scale. Yeah, the DL host specifically, oh, the D- oh, the DL one of us. Yeah, that you were most excited to meet. Yeah. Well, I've seen Michael around a couple of times. I know Michael. Michael's That's a, not Michael's very exciting. A, yeah. Michael's a good friend. So, so uh-huh. probably, probably, probably Ryan or Jill. <laughs> I was included. I can't believe it. We Michael and I said he's definitely just going to see Jill. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> I know you were being kind there. You didn't have to fake the answer, but we he, appreciate he was, it. He just wanted you to feel good about yourself. Yeah, Ryan. yeah, That's I appreciate all. it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And the last question, yeah, Michael. So last the last one, one is, what is a hidden talent that most people don't know about you? Ooh, 
That's a tough one. I'm really good at drifting. Really? Nice. Really good at like it. Like a car. Yeah. Not like one of those finger skateboards or anything. No, wow. real no, car. I'm no, really good at finger car. skateboard drifting. Yeah. No, I, I I love drifting my car in the Wisconsin weather. It's a, it's amazing. Great. That is amazing. That's a credible. We need, to, we, we need to have like so in the next time at scale, we're gonna have like a drifting session and a parkour session. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Who's gonna compete against Simon though in the drifting? I can't. I, I can't compete because I'd never find where we're supposed to go to start. You would drifting. compete. You would just, but you because you, you, drifting is perfect for you because you would just constantly go in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lost. And Simon, yeah. I can't blind. I, I can't drive because I'm half blind. So so you Joe, win me. You could drift then. <laughs> in one direction you're good but yeah, uh, that's a really cool how did you pick yeah. up drifting out of curiosity that's what started cool. your talent there so i did a little side delivery work for a little bit and i you know i drive with a lead foot i have you know some speeding tickets and all that i, I <laughs> but um but no like i um i just i love being able to drift my car and i just did it enough times out of just wanting to do it that i became good at it were you inspired by Fast and Furious? As a, no, as a no, actually, no. Okay, well, good. That means it didn't grow yeah. up it's all about you. family. People. All about <laughs> <And> family. <laughs> speaking of driving, you drove to scale and you went many miles. Oh yeah, to come yeah. to scale. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's it's um, it was what a day and a half drive each way, so yeah. so it wasn't terrible, it wasn't too bad. I mean, eh, nothing. Oh. I mean, it was it was it was bad. It was day and a half drive. Not when you're drifting. Well, yeah. you're drifting <laughs> I, know, I know he's drifting on the highway <laughs> towards yeah. towards scale. Uh, and I just want to tell you, Simon, it was so wonderful to meet you at at the last scale, yeah, scale twenty x. Uh, you've been such a great friend to us here at Destination Linux and the Text Digital Network, and it was just so much fun to be able to spend time with you. We had a nice dinner together. It was. It was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it was As nice I recall, to give so, you a hug. It was nice to hug you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, I, I started in the community when I was, what, 13 years old, something like that. Um, but it was it was really amazing to have my 21st birthday at a Linux conference. Yes, that's that was, right. That was incredible. Oh, that's right. That we were awesome. celebrating that mm-hmm. night. And that was so yeah. much fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, for those who don't know, we called Simon the original prodigy because he's yeah. been working in incredibly advanced areas of Linux and Teenager. open source, contributing <laughs> yeah. to it from a kid. Yeah. From a kid, you know, from a kid on up. And now you're an adult. <laughs> Uh, so you're the original prodigy, uh, and uh, you know you've just done so many amazing, incredible things for open source and Linux, and we appreciate all the contributions that you've made there. Of course. And we're glad you got your 21st birthday right in a Linux fest. It's just that's perfect. Yeah, that's man. the best. Yeah. Yes. It was awesome because the day before he was like, "Hey, guess what? I'm like, what? My birthday's tomorrow, 21st." Like. I know what we're doing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Easy to make plans with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. At one of the best conferences in the world, the Southern California Linux Expo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, uh, Simon, thank you so much for joining us and all the work you do in Linux and open source. We love having you on the show and can't wait to have you back on. Feel free to come back on. You anything. talk about the next release of Ubuntu or real anything whenever you want to. Just let us know. <laughs> we'll make room for you. So, and, and also, it was great that uh, the Destination Linux crew and uh, we all got to meet at the last scale yeah. and having like a nice dinner and everything. We're going like to do it again this year. And we're going to do it again this year. And also, thanks again for joining us on Destination Linux. Are there a, a couple things I can just, uh, I can plug real quick? Oh, yeah. Or, really? oh, that, was a, that was a voice crack. Um, no, so 
I'm going to be on um, Ask Noah Show this upcoming Tuesday. Listen at 6 p.m. Central Time or go to asknoahshow.com. We'll be talking about more of the specific automation aspects and a lot of the cool stuff coming to Lubuntu. Um, yesterday, I was also on Linux Saloon, um, and yeah. we, we, we talked about a lot of great stuff on nice. that. But um, this upcoming week, they're actually featuring Lubuntu as their distribution to try. So... Um, if you're part of the Linux Saloon community, if you've always wanted to get involved, definitely I would recommend attending next week's uh, next week's Zoom call because it's going to be a lot of amazing Lubuntu content. Very cool. Nice. I love it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, otherwise, you can follow Lubuntu on Twitter um, at Lubuntu Official. Um, the latest public announcements, as soon as I make something public, it goes on Twitter. Um, and we are, I know there are some folks who, who don't enjoy Master Twitter for whatever reason, but we're working on a cross poster we're working on it yeah and so it's not kidding. twitter simon it's x come oh, on yeah. true, get with true. the times give it the times twitter so, so so instead of calling it instead of calling it a tweet what do you call it an x an x an x, an x. <laughs> an x. No. okay to be clear we're giving you a hard time about it but uh, we also all call it twitter and also call yeah, it tweets it will always that's be not tweets. we're not I know. we're not joining this ridiculous X yeah, we're too movement. old to yeah, change. And I like name. birds. Yeah, we're too so old to change. I want birds. <laughs> you want birds, chill? Yeah. That's random. <laughs> I honestly I feel like Elon Musk oh, changed it to X just because he owned the domain and wanted to do something with it. Yeah. I mean like, it's that's a cool what domain I like. own, yeah. frankly. Like it's not the worst domain. All right. Well, we could talk for hours. Simon, again, thank you for coming and we'll have you on the show real soon. Good to be here. Thanks, guys. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration, whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula. There's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. Do you like first-person puzzler games like Valve's Portal and Portal 2 like I do? Yes. (laughs) If you do, one of my all-time favorite first-person puzzlers just released an amazing sequel, The Talos Principle 2. Mm, nice. We've waited nice. waited almost 10 years for this sequel. So it's oh, pretty wow. exciting. And on the Steam website, the game actually describes itself like this. 
The Talus Principle 2 is a thought-provoking first-person puzzle experience that greatly expands on the first game's philosophical themes and stunning environments with increasingly mind-bending challenges. I'm out. <laughs> oh, this the mind-bending part is too much. <laughs> it, I it, have to do this at work. You know, I've got to figure out these very complex solutions for things <laughs> and data. And <sighs> I never got into puzzle games. I oh, love wow. that people like you exist, Jill, that love these games. <laughs> I, on the other hand... Wait a minute, what about Portal? Yeah. Like, yes, like I enjoyed Portal and some of the solving there. But when I think of like when people talk about puzzle games, it's like, oh, you know, go figure out that you're supposed to click on this random thing that's hidden in the corner of a room, eight rooms away that you came from. Some puzzle from, games are excessively and then, complicated. Yeah, and you they run are. over here and, and pull the third rung of a ladder and then you jump two times <laughs> and skip. And you're supposed to know that because of the uh, wing ding font characters that you translated <laughs> yes. from a tablet that was at the very beginning of the game. That type of crap, just like, I don't, who has you time have, for this? You played I, this I for three hours, it. and the thing that you did, two, the first two minutes, you need to reference that and then yeah. put that. I like, love I that just, stuff. No. I love the, the very uh, surreal, you know, puzzles like that. Yeah. That really they make were paying me that to are, solve it are for them, I would do it. But otherwise, no. But, but I'm sorry. I don't mean to take away from something <laughs> you enjoy, Jill. But I no... Just, no problem. Actually, Ryan, Talos Principle is a lot like like uh, playing Portal. In okay. fact, it's, it's like heavily yeah, influenced yeah. on Portal. It has, you know, a nice. great story and breathtaking cinematics, which actually answer a lot of the questions from the original Talos Principle game. But you won't get any spoilers from me. No, sorry. <laughs> I don't want to. How much do I have to pay you? If I give you a thousand dollars, would you give me a spoiler? Yeah. Well, you know the first. Well, then I guess we could get spoiled. <laughs> for you. Ryan, if you had played the first uh, yeah. Portal, uh, it actually had three endings, which is really cool. And oh, that is neat. I yeah. like games that have multiple it's endings. Really, yeah. really fun. And what's really cool with Talos Principle Two is you get to use you know the classic game mechanics you know and love from the original as well as new awesome puzzle mechanics. And it builds up slowly, like in, in Portal. They they nice. hold yeah. your hand, you know, kind of through the process of, of that, yeah. using yeah. the new mechanics. So this will be very useful for, for Ryan. Put that to the test on live stream. <laughs> <laughs> I get stuck we'll in the We'll see, intro. people. We'll <laughs> yeah. see how, how, how do much it helps your hand. Click start, Ryan. Really? Yeah. The puzzle how, do you how, do you turn how do you turn this game on? Well, first you have to start with your computer being powered on, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, and these puzzles <laughs> like, well, the Well, the, the game did not tell me this. Uh -huh. yeah, exactly. Well, you would like also, Ryan, and even from the original, a lot of you, you interact with the terminal. And guess what? It's Unix-based and Linux-based. <laughs> yeah, now, so. now you got me peaked a little bit. Yeah, that, that I could rock. I figured I could knock out some puzzles in the terminal. Yes. But I see this other part sentence here that says the maps are huge. Yeah. And you know I get lost in a McDonald's parking lot. Oh, so <laughs> I couldn't imagine... The best right. part about his the, the best part about a statement like that is that you get lost in the McDonald's parking lot looking for Chick Fil A. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that is a positive. Maps maps are huge and are even more detailed. And you know the sound design and music has been really greatly expanded. Ryan, I especially love that Tal's Principle Two has heavy elements of exploration and puzzle solving to satiate your curiosity. So you don't always have to be exploring. In fact, the exploring elements 
are are again fairly not too complex. It gets they have like arrows that point you where you're (laughs) supposed to go. Uh, Those are the games I do the best in, where it's got a built-in GPS function in the video game itself. He also wants to have a map on the bottom left that tells you where he is. I know he needs maps, but the the map (laughs) (laughs) he needs a Thomas guy. <laughs> beyond beyond just uh, uh Google Maps, you need yeah. you know a, a physical Street view. Book. I need it all. Yeah, yeah, I need all kinds of different <laughs> things. So, Michael, you made a joke earlier, which I found very offensive about the whole in a McDonald's parking lot looking for a Chick Fil A. Yeah, uh, and I want to tell you that That's not so long ago, <laughs> not not so long ago, I pull into this parking lot right. And I want to go to Cane's. And for people who have a Cane's yeah. near them, you know how good these chicken fingers are. Like yeah, they're yeah. they're amazing. Cane's is absolutely incredible. And then there's this other restaurant that's in the same parking lot. But I can't figure out how to get to the Cane's. Uh, so I think I'm at Cane's, but I end up pulling into Jack in the Box. Now, I know there are fans of Jack in the Box. No offense yeah. to you, but this is the worst food on the planet in comparison to Cane's. It's like, you know. And so oh what God. do I do? I see Canes over there in the distance. When I say distance, I mean like 50 yards away. But I'm I'm like, I'm already here. So I end up eating a Jack in Box with a very disappointing experience because I got lost in the parking lot <laughs> Jack in the Box trying to get to Canes. So, so, so you're one of the happened. people that actually has to go out to the road first and yeah. then loop back. and. Tr- no, 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 Jill. He's not because he gave <laughs> up and just ate Jack in the Box. <laughs> hey, they have good tacos at Jack in the Box. I just knew I would get more and lost if Ar- I exited that parking lot <laughs> and tried to get the canes. They have yeah. an excellent <laughs> Oreo cookie shake. That's one of my favorite things at Jack in the Box. So anyways. The best part about this topic, the best part about that story, Ryan, is that when you know you know, there's a lot of comedians and it will say, not too long ago or recently, and those things are not true when they say that. The comedians yeah. are typically saying yeah. that because it means that was like a year ago they thought of this joke yeah. or whatever. Right. But when you said that, Knowing when you move to a place that has canes, it has to have been recently. Yeah, very it has recently. to have been recently. Very, very recently. It's because it's, it's new, you know? I'm just, uh, I'm still learning where Aww. I'm at. <laughs> You're learning <laughs> about all the different fast foods it's in about town. five minutes from the road. I can't wait till Michael comes and visits me again and then I can take him to the parking lot I get lost in. Because now that I've had time to live here, it's so clear which parking lot goes where. But... <laughs> In that moment, he wants to yeah. test me and see if I can see yeah. it. Can you navigate us back to Canes? Yeah. Well, the Talus Principle too <laughs> is twenty nine dollars and ninety nine cents on Steam, and it's worth every penny. And awesome. uh, it's you know about the same price of, as uh, taking two people to a fast food restaurant these days. <laughs> about one person nowadays. Yeah, yeah, one person really. But what is really awesome also is that again, like I said at the beginning of the segment is that we have been actually waiting since December of 2014 for a new release. It's almost 10 years. That's incredible. I, that is crazy. Also, I haven't played this game yet for the first one. So I've been waiting 10 seconds. 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, actually a lot of Linux users out there may have the same experience. Many of us Linux users got to experience the Vulkan engine for the first time with the original Talus Principle. In fact, Talus Principle oh, that's cool. is, I know that. yeah, it's, it's the first to have Vulkan and it's, it was also, you know, it's also the game I go to, to do uh, benchmarking on, hmm. on 
uh, different computers for game, game bench, benchmarking. The original Tales principle was based on the series engine of the series Sam game franchise by Crow Team. And the Tales principle 2, they, they changed up their game engine and it's now based on the beautiful Unreal Engine 5. So that's really nice. cool. And yeah, that is pretty cool. It, it is really nice. And on, although there isn't a Linux native port, it works great on the Steam Deck and on Proton. So. Well, tell us, you need to fix that. We need a native port. I know. Still, yeah. They, still, at least it works in Proton. Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I actually good enough, know. As long a, as we can play it. I know a little background story. The the Linux developers had left Crow Team and, and went to actually Valve <laughs> to work on Proton. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I'm glad they're where they're at. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's unfortunate for Crow Team, it but is. also yeah. <laughs> good for Valve and Proton. Absolutely. So, I, okay. so we got a nice trade off there. We got Talos Principal working on the Steam Deck, <laughs> no matter what. Now, Jill, in our software spotlight this week, if I want to send an email to Talos Principal's devs to tell them I want a native Linux yes. port, is there a suggestion you might have in our software spotlight? Absolutely, Ryan. There's one new one that was just brought to our, our attention called Prospect Mail. And it, it comes to us from the community. In fact, Eric wrote us to suggest this. And he, you, he states, Excel is great, and I wish I could have it on Linux. The topic of a certain suite working on Linux, I wanted to share a new discovery to me, Prospect Mail, which seems like a pretty full-featured clone. Definitely worth checking out for those of us with work emails on one of these tenant things. <laughs> yeah. And we have the link, of course, in the show notes. And Prospect Mail is actually an unofficial Outlook client using Electron. It uses the web app and wraps it as a standalone application. This only works for Microsoft Office 365 accounts. And it doesn't work for personal Outlook.com accounts. So what you're saying is that basically, yeah, <laughs> this, this is this is good for some people who need to. So it's great that Ryan's uh, in like kind of transition to this particular topic was him admitting that he uses Microsoft 365. Yes. So that's uh, listen. I have to use have Office to 365 for, for my professional environment. Nice try, Michael. Personally, yeah. I use Thunderbird. <laughs> Thank you very much. And Proton. Uh, personally, use Outlook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't use Outlook. <laughs> so Michael <laughs> Prospect Mail is actually available for Linux, Windows uh, 10 and higher, and Mac go, OS. It's available for Windows 10. And I what was, are you talking about? You're the one using Microsoft Office 365. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And on Linux, there's actually a Deb, an app image, Pac-Man, RPM, Snap, and Tar.gz are available nice. to yeah, download of Prospect Mail. Nice. And thank you so much, Eric, for bringing Prospect Mail to our attention. This is honestly the reason why we have Electron apps. This is, you know, a brilliant use of Electron to bring a major web app to the Linux desktop. So it's just right there on your desktop. No, no need, need to go to your web browser. Very nice. So pretty Thanks cool. Thanks for sending that in, Eric. Appreciate it. All right. So this tip of the week this week is going to be pretty fun because Ryan decided to add in a little bit of extra stuff to it. So what? we'll, we'll huh? see when we get to it. So this week, many people will be meeting with their family and eating lots of turkey in the U.S. because Thanksgiving is right around the corner, right, Ryan? Yeah. So my tip of this for this week is true. 
is about recipes. And we're going to talk about my go-to turkey recipe for my family because it's the best, absolute best way to make a turkey. It's a secret family recipe that that Ryan insisted that I do. So hold on, hold on. <laughs> Before you give the recipe, I have to let people know that Michael had no idea that I was going to force him. And I had no idea if he even had a family secret recipe. So you have one. And we're I have about to, one. This is Michael's. Okay, here we go. This is I'm, great. I'm, it's no longer a secret anymore. So he's ruining that part. But so he said that we're going to, he, he, so he said that we're going to do like recipes. Like, okay, sure. Then I look in the notes like this morning and it says share a fa- secret family recipe. Like, Will challenge accepted? All right. So for a smoked turkey specifically, we're going to give you the recipe for the dry <laughs> rub. Okay. So okay. it's half cup right. of brown sugar, mm-hmm. one tablespoon of garlic powder, two tablespoons of onion powder, one tablespoon of paprika. One tablespoon, one teaspoon of chili powder, one teaspoon of black pepper, and uh, four applewood chunks. Uh, this is actually perfect because uh, I'm not really a, a, a chef of any kind. I'm not a very good cook. And this was sent to me because I requested my uh, sister to send me the recipe. The secret family oh. recipe. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. And I also said it wrong. I think I said one tablespoon of paprika. It's a teaspoon of paprika. That's a lot of... Someone just ruined their turkey, thanks to you, Michael. <laughs> they're, they're over there gagging. Uh, what kind of family uh, secret recipe is this? The paprika it's like too is much so paprika. much. <laughs> if anybody wants the actual recipe, I'll put it in the show notes, because why not? Yeah. But you can also store it in your... Actual tip of the week, which is the recipes app from Gnome, and it's available as a flat pack. So you can go to the Flat Hub and get Gnome recipes. And since we're talking about family tradition, it makes sense because this app is not exactly named Gnome recipes. It's just named recipes because Gnome has a traditional terrible naming scheme of just naming things a typical word that makes it impossible to search for. So you have to add gnome in the front and say gnome recipes if you would like to find it. Or you can also check out the show notes. That might seem like a little bit harsh to say, but holidays are about good food and annoying your family members with brutally (laughs) honest opinions about topics that they're not even interested in talking about. So I think it fits perfectly. Feeling the holiday spirit as soon as you said that. Like, I had all these memories coming back. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Recipes comes with a collection of recipes that have been collected by the, the Gnome contributors, which is pretty cool. And it also lets you store your own recipes, like the one you'll find in the show notes, and share them with your friends. The major features of res- Gnome Recipes is add and edit your own recipes, share recipes with friends, export and print shopping lists, which is pretty nice. Uh, adjust quantities based on the number of servings and many, many more things. So you'll find out more information if you check out the link in the show notes for the tip of the week, which is gnome recipes and apparently the super secret family recipe of smoked turkeys. <laughs> you had to ask your sister what that, is our that I had to <laughs> ask my sister super what it was. <laughs> recipe. Nice. That's awesome. Good job, Michael. Uh, you pulled that off. I was yeah. trying to trip you up, but I thought for sure there's no way you have a secret family turkey recipe. Yeah, you did not you did not trip me up with the recipe. Yeah. I tripped myself up trying to say the recipe. Yeah, there you go. We talked to Simon earlier. We were talking about going to scale, and scale 2024 is scheduled for March Yay. 14th through the 17th of 2024. So if you want to take part and have fun with the entire DL crew right there at this event, it's Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, California. 
you can come hang out with us and see us there and lots of other amazing people in booths. And it's got Jill. I mean, what else do we have? That's all we need to say. Yeah. (laughs) And a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. You can come join us on our Discord at tuxdigital.com slash Discord. And if you want to watch the show live, you can come patron of Destination Linux and you get that awesome perk. And watching live is just one of the great perks that you get by becoming a patron. So we go to tuxdigital.com slash membership to become a patron. And in addition to all of that, you get the value of unedited versions and ad-free versions of the show. Mm. So if you want to get the unedited, unabashed, unabridged version of the show and all the nonsense that happens with Ryan's particular part specifically is uh, tuxdigital.com slash membership. And you also can join us for the patron-only post-show, which happens every week after the show. And we just hang out with our patrons for 30 minutes to an hour, however long it might be. Who knows? You can do that by going to tuxdigital.com slash membership. And also, if you want to support the show and the network, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash store. When you go to tuxdigital.com slash store, you'll find awesome stuff. Like we have swag that's Destination Linux shirts. We have uh, Hardware Addict shirts, Linux 91 hats, all sorts of cool stuff because we have uh, hoodies, mugs, hats, T-shirts, and just stickers and so much more. In fact, we're making some changes to the store. So if you go to the tuxedos.com slash store soon, maybe around the Black Friday time, we I'm not totally sure, but maybe around that time, then you might find some new stuff to get there because we're switching over the stores, which means new, new items. And you're either going to be an OG or you're not. Let's be honest. So you're either going to have some OG from our original store mm-hmm. or you're going to come with the new stuff. And both are fine. But the OG people, if you come and well, see the, us at okay, a conference, the, we're going to know you've been around a long time. We're going to instantly but, but also, know. But, yeah. the, but also yeah. the OG stuff is good, but also the new stuff might even be better because it shows that they're continually supporting the show. It's true. And, you know, yeah. so... Wear there. both. Wear both at a conference. Have the yes. new shirt ha- over top of the old shirt. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> show us that. Or you could do like, a, like a, a DIY project where you t- cut both shirts in half and then stitch them together. Oh, and you- That would be the ultimate fan there. Sweet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> also, make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on Tux Digital. That's right. We have an entire network of shows to fill your entire week with awesome geeky goodness. Check out Linux Out Loud with Matt, Nate, and Wendy having a blast and sharing their passion for Linux and open source. And everyone head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these incredible shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Unless you're, unless you're turkey, then the destination is dead. Then you don't want to get to that destination. You don't want to get there. You don't want, you're not going to like the journey either. <laughs> <laughs> the journey. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>